0: In Galatians chapter 4 verse 19, Paul says, um, let me just get there. Paul says, um,
1: my little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. He says, my little children of whom I travail in birth until Christ be formed in you. Mm -hmm. I I, I and all the men in here might not understand the magnitude of that statement compared to the ladies. When he says, oh my dear children, I feel as if I am going through labor pains for you again. And they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. That's a very deep statement and then in uh, another version, says, My little children, for whom I again am suffering bath pangs until Christ is completely and permanently formed, molded within you. Uh, another one says, um, do, you, do you know how I feel right now and will feel until Christ's life becomes visible in your lives? like a mother in pain of childbirth, like a mother in pain of childbirth. That's the kind of pain. That's the kind of travail. That's the kind of burden and the intensity of Paul's desire to see Christ formed in the lives of those believers that he was ministering to in the Galatian church, because they would learn about God's word and soon they will be removed from the truth. And that's a burden that the apostle Paul had for them. And I believe God is spreading that burden in the lives of his people, in the lives of ministers, to see Christ formed in you, to see Christ formed in you. And the agenda is Christ to be formed in you. The agenda is Christ to be formed in you. One of the things that you will note about me is you will hear Christ so much until you might get tired. If you keep hearing Christ, Christ, Christ continually, you might get tired. But then I usually pose the question, in what name were you baptized when you came into this place called the kingdom? It was in the name of Jesus. It's inevitable that you will hear more and more about him. It's inevitable that you will learn a lot about Christ because at the end of the day, the one we are to emulate is Christ. In no way have we been told to grow in the image of David, Abraham, Moses, but it is Christ. And so Paul says, I labor that Christ be formed in you. Mm. I am burdened that Christ should be formed in you. That's the burden. The travail of the Apostle Paul that Christ be formed in you. Wow, what a burden. What a burden that Christ be formed in you. And it is so important, beloved, because when Christ is not formed in us, you see a lot of problems in relationships, a lot of problems in believers' lives. So many problems. At times, I dare say this, we wonder if truly non-believers are having it easier sometimes than Christians, because it is almost impossible to tell the difference between a Christian marriage and, uh, and an unbeliever's marriage. Sometimes it's not even possible to put a distinction between a believer's life and an unbeliever's life. You realize that the pressure is the same. You realize that the burdens are the same. You realize that the challenges between believers and non-believers are the same. And so it was necessary that the Apostle Paul would have such a burden, that he would have such a burden for the body of Christ, for believers, that Christ be formed in them. Because when Christ is not formed in you, I assure you, you will address issues just like any other, any other person who does not know Christ. You will address issues like any other person who doesn't have faith. And so this is the kind of burden that we see in the life of the Apostle Paul. Why am I repeating this statement? Paul travails that Christ be formed in you. That Christ be formed in you. That Christ be formed in you. Cherono, could you read this again? I've seen you've shared it in another version called TPT.
0: Yes, uh, let me read for you. TPT says, you are my dear children but I agonize in spiritual labor pains once again until the anointed one will be fully formed in your hearts.
1: Let Amen. Keep it yeah. Absolutely. So Christ to be formed in our hearts is so critical. And today uh, we will be looking at a very interesting topic called the hardness of heart. The hardness of heart. It is a topic that... Um, I was requested to share somewhere uh, by our beloved uh, Pastor Alice Motuma. I don't know if Alice is here. Uh, we, we were re- I was requested to share on this particular topic in a different forum. Um, and uh, just through the sharing, there was a bit of learning that we came across. Hey, and we were able to see ourselves in light of the texture of our hearts, in light of the texture of our hearts, you know, um, I don't know if you've ever been told by anyone, oh, my beloved, you have a very soft heart. I've heard people say that, she is, she has a very difficult heart, mm, a, heart is a very hard heart. Sometimes people use those references. I don't know what people have been using over you, but uh, you yourself, you know, we all know ourselves. We we'll all know when our hearts are so hardened and our hearts are so easy, and so we will look at the scripture, and it will provide some evidence for us, some learning for us. And I know that at the end of it all, our goal will be Christ to be formed in us. Amen. So, on the subject of the hardness of heart, it is so critical for us to understand that the hardness of heart is not a new concept. It's not a very new concept. It's a concept that has existed time and time again, and a concept that even exists outside the perimeters of scripture. In our day to day language, when people are trying to express the attitude or the character of somebody they would say that person has a hard heart. And when we say somebody has a hard heart, we would probably refer to somebody being so difficult to deal with or somebody being cold. Yeah, cold, somebody who is cold. And we will say that person has a hard heart. And so we will look at it from the scripture and just try and get understanding from the word of God. And um, I know the scripture will educate us in a very um, good and genuine way. Hallelujah. In the book of Romans, beloved, in the book of Romans chapter two, we come across that particular term in Romans chapter two,
0: verse, um, I believe it should be verse 15 or verse five, verse five.
1: the word of god says but after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of god it says but after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of god another statement In Romans chapter 5, it says, But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. In another version, it reads, But by your callous stubbornness and impenitence of heart you are storing up wrath and indignation for yourself on the day of wrath and indignation when God's righteous judgment that is just doom will be revealed you're not getting by with anything every refusal and avoidance of God adds fuels adds fuel to the to the fire the day is coming when it's going to blaze hot and high
0: god's fiery and righteous judgment all right so this particular passage is very interesting because the
1: first coverage that we will do about the hardness of heart we will tackle the attitude of um the attitude the world's attitude all right on the first Topic of the hardness of heart, we will tackle the attitude of the world, or rather, the world's attitude. And so, we will see how the world is hardened in their heart towards God, and why it is of necessity for us to understand this and to walk in this kind of knowledge. As it pertains to what we see happening presently in the world and happening presently in our time happening presently uh, even in this particular period and that is why the wisdom that was shared by pastor gloria is indicative of the state of the heart of men present in this world it is indicative of that particular state and so Sometimes when we are dealing with this issues you know one of the biggest crises that we've ever had as a body of Christ um, is our desire sometimes to be accommodated by the world we want to be so relevant to the world we want to be so respected by the world we want to be respected by the world we want to show the world that whatever you can do we can do better whatever you can do we can do better and sometimes
0: it is a pressure that is unnecessary sometimes we find such kind of teachings that
1: they try to make us look relevant to the world we want to be respected by them we want um to be seen as a body of Christ that is just not filled with um, dander heads or unintelligent people, but we want to be seen as very bright and wise. And that's okay. We all desire to be seen in such a way, but we will look at the scripture to understand the spirit and the attitude that is at work. And that will really help us sort of get an understanding about what was happening um in this particular passage that the apostle paul is writing um and we will get a bit of a picture in regards to the same right so the book of romans the epistle to the romans written to christians who were residing in the city of rome and they say it was probably 1 7 or 15 a.d there um uh, this the epistle of romans was written no no i don't think that's precise the city of the epistle to the romans was rather written to christians residing in the city of rome and rome was the center of the empire and was ethnically diverse. So this was the CBD. Rome was the center of the empire and it was ethnically diverse. In the first century AD, it had a population of around 1 million in an area less than 10 square miles. Of this large population, it is estimated that there was between 40,000 and 50,000 Jews in the city. Uh, the The Jewish population dates back to the second century we see as part of the diaspora and in ad 64 there was a large fire in rome that led to nero to expel the jews this also resulted in the first major persecution of the church it is unclear how the church in rome originally began the best explanation is that they're, that the romans who were present at pentecost eventually made their way back to rome and started a church in one of the synagogues however there are also other explanations all right so again you realize that paul was writing to a to, to a very modern society it was a modern society it was a society that had a lot of um concentration of diverse cultures a concentration of diverse cultures And we see the conflict in societies where there is a diverse, diverseness of culture. I want to say that Nairobi, we don't even have such such a a huge diversity because we are sort of lumped up by one particular title, which is Kenyans majorly, but I'm talking about societies that have a a heightened diverse culture. I'm talking about places like the US and you see the kind of uh, moral conflict that they are engaged in. Just recently, uh, the Smith versus Roe uh, overturning, uh, the, the ruling that was overturned, then you see the issue of divorce, sorry, the issue of abortion and how, how, how heartfelt it is, the kind of emotions, the kind of, the kind of fury that you see in the hearts of people. So this is a very diverse society that Paul was writing to. And so when Paul was writing to them, he was
0: writing also in view of all those things that were there. So um, he was writing
1: to who exactly? In Romans chapter one, verse seven, it says, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God, our father, and the lord jesus christ in Romans chapter one verse seven all right for to all that be in rome beloved of god called to be saints grace and to you and peace from god our father and from the lord jesus christ and so paul begins to tell them about his stand and his commitment to the gospel and so forth and then now from verse 18 paul moves and says for the wrath of god is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, this is after he speaks about the gospel, by the way, after he speaks about the gospel, Paul says from verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest to them manifest in them for God hath showed it to them. God has showed it to them. So if we read in the NLT, it says, um, but God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness they suppress the truth by their wickedness. They suppress the truth or rather. They they, they hold the truth in unrighteousness. They suppress the truth by their wickedness. They suppress the truth by their wickedness. They suppress the truth by their wickedness. And never before have we seen the truth suppressed As we see in our present day, we see the truth of God suppressed. We see the truth of God suppressed. We see the truth being fought like never before. We see it fought like never before. We see, we see it held uh, in unrighteousness like never before. There is an all out war against the truth. I say this because we need to look at uh, different spheres where we can see the truth of God handled in unrighteousness and we can see how it is affecting our people. We see it in the, the entertainment and arts. We see how the truth is suppressed. The ability to talk about Jesus is foreign. There is no other name that is fought and opposed as the name of Jesus. Well, you can say God, and even this day is just the idea of God brings a lot of chills and a lot of discomfort. It brings a lot of discomfort when you bring in the subject of God. It brings a lot of discomfort. People are a bit uncomfortable about the idea of God, and also, we want the truth to be held or to be spoken, but not to a point that it is affecting us. So what do you see? You see the truth suppressed even in churches when politicians, especially in this political season, turn up in churches. We expect a beautiful sermon that will be encouraging us to be moral and to be of good conduct. But don't, don't talk about Jesus too much and don't talk about uh, matters of salvation. Don't talk about the cross that much. It's a bit of an uncomfortable subject, it's not necessary. You can talk about the good Samaritan and how it is good for you to also just be there for one another, to help one another, be kind, be a good person, help others who are in need. And therefore we also see the society progressing forward because we are helping other people. And so indirectly, the truth of God is actually suppressed. It is suppressed in movies and entertainment. The idea of Christ is now, Christ is used as almost a swearing word. When something bad happens, you hear people exclaim loudly, Jesus Christ. And this is a desensitization that is deliberate so that people can be desensitized to the power that is in the name of Jesus Christ. Because if they can utter the name of Jesus Christ, in relation to disgust, in relation to something that is negative, in relation to something that is bad and evil, they can say Jesus Christ. So we can desensitize the whole world against that name. So we see the name of Jesus trying to be desensitized. So this is the suppression of the truth. By their wickedness, they suppress the truth. By their wickedness, they suppress the truth. The Bible says in another version, for God's holy wrath and indignation are revealed from heaven on against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who in their wickedness repress and hinder the truth and make it inoperative. Okay, so they repress and hinder the truth and make it inoperative. That's what they do. They repress and hinder the truth and make it inoperative this is what is happening presently in the world beloved this is what people are doing and so for us who are people of god called to handle the truth it is so important that we are sensitized to this reality and then he goes ahead and says in verse 19 all right for that which is known about god is evident to them and made plain in their inner consciousness." because God himself has shown it to them. So it's not like they don't know that which is known about God. They know it. This is not about people who have never heard about God or the concept of God. These are people who know it. It says, but because because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it to them. So this is a deliberate rebellion against God it is deliberate, it is intentional, an intentional rebellion against God. Against God, it is an intentional rebellion. Verse 20 says, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature so they have no excuse for not knowing god there is no excuse for ever since the world was created people have seen the earth and sky through everything god made they can clearly see his invisible qualities his eternal power and divine nature so they have no excuse for not knowing god yes they knew god but they wouldn't worship him as god or even give him thanks they will not worship him as god it says because when they knew god they glorified him not as god neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened their foolish heart was darkened their foolish heart was darkened beloved you hear the words that we have been teaching uh, in one of the sermon series i've uh, i've been doing called from darkness to light we've spoken about the darkened hearts the darkened hearts Hearts that are darkened is that they their inability to see or to perceive or to discern God, because the heart is darkened. That is a heart that is in darkness, and the word uh, the, the the use of the illustration of darkness is also synonymous with the hardness of heart. A
0: lot in the Word of God, so their foolish heart was darkened. Their minds have become dark and confused.
1: Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. Why? Because it looks intellectual. It looks wise and knowledgeable. The whole idea of denying God. The whole idea of rejecting God. Oh, the foolishness of faith, the foolishness of believing. Is what is actually in question. They see Christians and they wonder. You, with all your education, you can still believe in the idea of God. Some even went further and say that God is almost like this fairy tale figure. It's like a fairy tale when you read about uh, some of these fairy tale characters, not only fair, fairy tale characters, but some of even these comic characters. They say God is almost like that is the concept of God. So, they were claiming to be wise, they instead became fools. And now we see a rampant um, migration of people. They are entering into different kinds of belief systems. Um, they're entering into uh, Africanism. And um, for the first time, I met a Kikuyu man who is a member of the International Society of Hare Krishna ISOC. Wow. And I asked him, hey, my friend, brother, your name is Kenodia. How, how do you end up having a small red dot on your forehead? It's very mm-hmm. interesting. Yani, uh, I was surprised. I was surprised. I actually developed a curiosity to learn and to understand. So claiming to be wise, instead, they became fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles and instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God they worshiped idols meant to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles and I don't even need to go further the worshiping of idols is present in our day we know the worshiping of idols we know of uh, images
0: that look like mere people the Buddha. And we also know of uh, idols that look like birds
1: and animals and reptiles because we see certain gods like Hanuman. We see certain kind of gods that are worshipped that are representative
0: of images of things that look like animals. We know of Satanists and their visual representation of Baphomet, the
1: goat, which is symbolic of the rejection and the rebellion against God, because in certain contexts of the Bible, they use the sheep and the goats as an illustration of the sheep being the righteous and the goat being the wicked. So we see people worshiping images that look like animals. So, verse 24 says, So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things. Their hearts desired. God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. It says, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness through their lust of the, the lust of their own hearts. He gave them up to uncleanliness, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Saying, so God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. Keyword, their hearts. Their hearts. Keyword, their hearts. Their hearts were darkened. Again, we see here the Bible saying, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lusts of their own hearts. Through the lusts of their own hearts. Through the lusts of their own hearts. So God abandoned them. To do whatever shameful things their hearts desired, God abandoned them. To do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. Have you ever heard of a wickedness bucket list that somebody has? Every imaginable evil that somebody has ever thought about doing. Now there is no restraint. There is no consequence in someone's mind. There is no. There's no, no, restri- no restraint, no restriction. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, go out. Go hard. Do. Do it. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. And as a result, they did vile. Just listen to the word. They did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They did vile and degrading things. Vile, vile and degrading things. Nasty is the meaning of the word vile vile.
0: Nasty, unpleasant, horrid, horrible, dreadful,
1: abominable, atrocious, offensive, obnoxious, unsavory, repulsive, off-putting, repellent revolting repugnant disgusting distasteful loathsome hateful nauseating any whatever they do is sickening it gives you nausea base low wretched disgraceful appalling shocking ugly vulgar hey they did vile and
0: degrading things they did vile And degrading things. Vile and degrading things. That's what the Bible says. They did vile and degrading things. This is something that we see in our present day
1: there are certain things you you know when you look at how people's the things they've decided to do with their bodies you know all the madness that is going rampant in the world the sex changes and some of these cultures some of these uh cults and the things that people do to their bodies the bible says they did vile And they did degrading things, and it is happening. They did them also with each other's bodies. The Bible says they treaded the truth about God for a lie. They treaded the truth about God for a lie. They were willing to exchange it for a lie. They treaded it
0: off. They treaded it off. they change the truth of God into a lie. Now, a lie is their truth.
1: A lie, a Let li- I me. Mean, it sounds like I'm referring to somebody. Lies are their truth. They believe a lie, and that becomes a truth. So they traded the truth about God for a lie. So what is the result of that, okay? So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise, amen. They worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. So they worship the creature more than the creator. They worship the creature
0: more than the creator. And part of the creatures that they worship is Satan because he's a creature. And so we see this rampant
1: wickedness going all out. In verse 26, it says, that is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and and instead indulged in sex with each other even the women turned against their natural way to have sex and instead indulge in sex with each other and the men instead of having normal sexual relations with women burned with lust for each other and the men instead of having normal sexual relations with women burned with lust for each other men did shameful things with other men and as a result of this sin they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved all right they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved since they thought it foolish to acknowledge god he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done their lives became full of every kind of wickedness seen. Greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. What, gossip you hmm? what do we call it? What do Mushene, Mushene is also there. Mushene. Yeah, Mushene is there. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent. Proud uh, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning. Oh, so they're even innovative. Eh? They're even innovative. They invent inventors of evil. They invent new ways of sinning. They invent new ways of sinning. And they disobey their parents. So they even come up with creative ideas of sinning. New ways of sinning. They try and think is there a new idea of something we can do that will offend God? Is there something new we can do? So they refuse to understand. They are covenant breakers, truce breakers, covenant breakers, the Bible refers to them. They break their promises. Isn't this what is happening with marriages? Isn't this what is happening with our marriages today? people breaking their promises. Yes. The vows are not anything important anymore. I even heard some people saying that now we should change it instead of saying I do, to I'll try. Gosh. course, <laughs> so, I'll try. We were, we were somewhere yesterday with Pastor G and Pastor Dorothy and Lynette. And uh, there was a question that in the q and a that asked how do you not cheat in your marriage and i was also i was saying
0: already in the question there is an assumption that cheating is the norm so
1: people they they break their promises 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 are broken promises are broken promises are broken and they are heartless, heartless, and they have no mercy, heartless and no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. They encourage others to do them
0: too. They encourage others to do them too. They encourage others to do them too. They encourage uh, uh, others to do them too. And we have seen this even with these demonstrations. People are angry at God. People are angry at God. People are angry at, they are angry against God. And the rebellion that is in the world is shocking. Is shocking. So when we look at all these things that the Apostle Paul is saying here,
1: beloved, as we just go slowly, this is partly it is also a, a reference to Sodom and Gomorrah. It is a reference to previous generations and cultures it is also referencing the children of israel in the wilderness when they were worshiping idols it is referencing previous experiences and previous generations and paul is highlighting those things and he's bringing this to also the romans because
0: in such a diverse society homosexuality was there Gayism and
1: all these things were there these things were present in those diverse cultures and so he's coming in and bringing this emphasis he's highlighting the kind of generations before that have lived this way and the kind of consequences that resulted against such rebellion that's why he says to them you are therefore inexcusable you may think you can condemn such people but you are just as bad and have and you have no excuse when you say they are wicked and should be punished you are condemning yourself for you who judge others do the very same things and we know that god in his justice will punish anyone who does such things since you judge others for doing these things why do you think you can avoid god's judgment when you do the same things don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you, that does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that in his kindness, can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone according to what they have done, He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. But he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth and instead live lives of wickedness. There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on doing what is evil. For the Jew first and also for the Gentile. But there will be glory, honor, and peace from God for all who do good for the jew first and for the gentle for god does not show favoritism so in this context the apostle paul is saying why are you condemning these people who are doing these things yet you yourself are doing the same because the state of their heart it was a hard and impenitent heart their hearts were blinded their hearts were darkened and their hearts were hardened and impenitent, and they desired to engage in all kinds of wickedness. They engage in all kinds of evil. But then he's saying, uh-uh, you're pointing a finger to these guys. You're saying these things that they are doing, these things are evil. You're pointing a finger to them. You're saying this thing they're doing, but you yourselves, you do the same things. You lie, you dishonor promises in terms of your vows in marriage. You do all these kind of things. Why are you doing the same thing? Paul is saying, why are you doing the same thing? Why are you doing the same things? You're doing the same things. You're doing the same things. And so he's addressing it. Why? Because he paints a picture of the state of the world. The hardness of heart and the rebellion that is in the hearts of men against God that they will not at all esteem, value, or cherish the very principles that are promoted in the scripture. They will mishandle the word of God. They will actually suppress the truth and promote wickedness. They are inventors of evil. They craft ideas and ways of how to sin against God. And so in the same light, we have a culture that is promoting sin. We have a culture that is promoting rebellion. We have a culture that is promoting all this kind of wickedness. And it's a matter of time. That's why God is preparing us. And I say this uh, with, 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 with a view of the future. God is actually preparing us. God is preparing us. Because as the world keeps... Uh, decaying, we are the salt and the light of the world. God is preparing us because the way things are going, we will have to be confrontational with these things. We will have to find ourselves in the line of, in the line of conflict with these ideas, with these belief systems that are rampant in the world. We now see them in the US and slowly by slowly, the same ideals will try to be propagated also here locally because we consume a lot of media from these nations. We consume a lot of entertainment from these nations and the same ideas slowly begin to creep in. And now we will have to be now dealing with issues of gays um, issues of uh, lesbianism if we are already not dealing with them and now the issues of even desiring to change marriage laws and all these things slowly but slowly these things will begin to creep in and we would think that we are wise in doing so we would think that we are a very progressive society in doing these things in accommodating these ideals and ideas We will think that we are a very progressive society because in our own wisdom we think we are wise when we suppress the truth of God but it's actually an indicator of the hardness of our hearts so we see this thing sadly now we promote um, immorality we hear people talking about going to Naivasha for the weekends when there is all these events happening so that they can actually sin as a matter of fact it was even reported It was actually reported on news outlets that even condoms were no longer available. They were running out of condoms in Naivasha. And people were being advised to purchase condoms before they get there. As if to say that the main agenda of going down to Naivasha was not the safari rally, but rather it was for sexual promiscuity, for sexual pleasure. And so we now talk about it in a laughing way, it's spoken about in a casual way, because it is the same desensitization that Satan desires to bring to people's hearts so that they can be desensitized and we can laugh and we can accommodate immorality in our society and in even our circles as the body of Christ. These are the things being spoken about, beloved. It is shocking, but at the same time, we see the scripture painting a picture of what is happening. And so the reference that, uh, or rather the, the conclusion that Paul gives is because he says, but after thy hardness and impenitent heart, you treasure up for yourself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous and ju- uh, judgment of God. So there were people who were hard and they were stubborn, and they would refuse to turn from that lifestyle. Their hearts had become hardened and stubborn, impeditent and stubborn hearts. And I, as I was sharing with um, uh, in the other fellowship, that word hard comes from the root word sclerotis, which means you are callous and stubborn, callous and stubborn, without feeling, it is the hardness that is stubborn. There's obstinacy. There's a stubbornness and then there's a shamelessness. There's, there, you have no shame. You have no shame whatsoever. You advocate for sin, you stand for sin and you have no regard whatsoever for the, for the consequences that would follow. And this was happening to the church because Paul is writing and is addressing them as beloved. The letter in the book of Romans was addressed also to the beloved. So Paul is writing this to people who are also in the body of Christ. But you cannot look at that society. You cannot look at the world. And you can point your finger at the world and say, hey, look at how the world is living. What a shame the world has become, but we ourselves practice the very things that they are practicing. We ourselves do the very things that they are doing. We ourselves
0: advocate for the very things that are happening in the world. So we cannot say that, hey, the world is living that way. Hey, look
1: at how the world is living. Look at how the world is living, but we ourselves are doing the same things. So let us bring it home. Let us simplify it and bring it home. We cannot talk about how things are happening out there badly, but we are practicing the same things we cannot speak about, a, uh, 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 about uh, things like dishonor in, um, in marriages, and yet we practice the same thing in marriages. We use curse words in our marriages. People abuse one another in their marriages.
0: We cannot say, hey, look at how the world is living. Yet we are also flirting
1: while we're in our marriages. Oh, we are flirting sexually. Yet we have the guts to say, hey, look at how people in the world are living today. What a shame. What a shame. How can people live that way? But we are practicing the same
0: things. We are practicing the same things. We are living the same way. We cannot look at the world and talk about how drunken
1: and how callous and how careless people are living in the world, yet we practice the same things. It only shows that our hearts are hardened, just like the world is hardened. Because it is very clear from the scripture that these are people who have outrightly decided to rebel against God they have deliberately made up their minds that they will be rebellious against God. And so if we enjoin with them in the same actions, in the same behavior, we are actually also expressing the same rebellion towards God. And that is why now you see pastors having a headache, trying to cancel people, trying to tell people, please don't go that way because there are consequences in that way. You're trying so hard to cancel people, trying so hard to tell people, don't follow that way, follow after righteousness and godliness. But now we, we, we feel like these people don't understand what we are talking about. Our pastors understand. I am so consumed in my, my situation. Uh-uh. You tell a person, hey, what are you, what business are you doing? You are born again. Yes. What business are you doing dating a married man? What business are you doing dating a married man or a married woman? What business are you doing dating somebody who's married? And you're like, oh, you know, we are working on, on something. He really loves me. He cares for me. He listens to me. Or, and, you know, his wife is treating him badly. And his wife is probably even, they're even thinking of separating and everything. There you are praying
0: that another marriage separates so you can be married. This is the level at which people are reasoning
1: in this present day. This is the kind of madness that pastors have to cancel out of people's minds. Where you have been in a marriage you just wake up one day and you say, you know, I'm no longer feeling attracted to her. And it is about my desire. It is about my feelings. It is about what I want. Not not in line with whatever God wants, what I want. So I can as well walk out of my marriage. I can as well walk out of my spouse. You know what? I feel like ah, it's no longer exciting anymore. I want excitement. I want to fulfill my desires at all cost. And that's how we jump into it.
0: Quickly, without even thinking. We see... These thing's happening in the body of Christ. We see our feet quick to do evil.
1: For that job, for that opportunity, we we are willing to give out bribes and to compromise in order to
0: get those opportunities. so if you look at the context in which the apostle
1: paul is addressing this issue he says that there are people who are practicing this thing they're suppressing the truth
0: they're suppressing the truth these people are willing to do anything they are backbiters, haters of god they are Despiteful, proud
1: boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. They commit murder, the full of envy, they they debate, there's malignity, whisperers, you know, gossip, there's fornication, there's wickedness. These are the things that are happening. There's a lot of envy, there's a lot of murder, there's a lot of debate and deceit among us this group of people. They are filled with all unrighteousness. And then they have refused not to retain God in their knowledge. And then now Paul is saying to the people that he's addressing, you may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad. And you have no excuse when you say they are wicked and should be punished. You are condemning yourself for you judge others to uh, others, for you, you who judge others do the very same things. You do the very same things. And that is why even the testimony of believers in the body of Christ sometimes is wanting. It's wanting because our very conduct, our very behavior does not even show a distinction that our lives are honoring God. And so sometimes we say, you know what, Um, it's never that serious. We can always. compromise it a bit but no no we can't do that the bible says for the grace of god that brings salvation has appeared unto all men to, to unto all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly passions the grace of god teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly passions we should live sober upright and godly lives in this present world looking unto the glorious return of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might purge us from all iniquity and that he might raise for himself a people who are zealous for good works. And Paul says these things teach, these things preach, these things affirm. So in this context, the Bible describes that these people have a hard and impenitent heart their hearts are hardened against god they have no desire for the things of god they have made up in their
0: minds to be rebellious against god it is deliberate They've made up their minds to be rebellious against God. And that's why
1: Jesus, in John chapter 15, verse 18, said, If the world hates you, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey you as also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have sinned and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what was written in the law. They hated me without reason. They hated me without reason. And and so you wonder sometimes when you're dealing with a lot of persecution, even in your workplace. Why is it that some people who just outrightly decide to hate you? Jesus is saying the world hated him, so they will hate us. And that is why it is so important for us to understand as the body of Christ that we were never called to be loved and celebrated by the world. we were never called to be darlings of the world. As long as we stand for the truth, we will never be the darlings of the world. We will never be the beloved people of the world because of what we stand for, because of what we advocate, because of the truth that we hold, because of the name, because of the name that we bear, because we bear the name of Jesus on ourselves. We bear the name of Jesus, we bear his nature, we emulate after him. And so because of that, we will never be darlings of the world. We will never be those that will be cherished. Why? Because of the very things that we stand for, for the very name that we bear. Because these people's hearts have become hardened. And the word hard and impenitent heart is a heart that has no shame, a heart that has no concern or regard whatsoever. And these are the things that we see right now happening in the body of Christ. That's why Paul is saying there has to be a distinction between your life and the life of
0: the world. There has to be a distinction. There has to be a distinction. Because
1: Paul in addressing the corinthian uh, sorry the roman church he's saying there are those who you want to point a finger at the world and say look at how the world is living but there's no difference between how the world is living and how you are living there's no difference and so the travail that paul has for christ to be formed in us is because the state of people's hearts cannot be distinguished from that that is in the world. Listen, some of the hardest organizations to work for have been the church. Some of the hardest organizations to work for have been the church. The scramble for positions that we have in the body of Christ. The backbiting The boot leaking, the pretense that we demonstrate in some of these church organizations in order to get along, in order to keep a paycheck, in order to maintain a job, to rise in a position. The amount of gossip, the
0: amount of division, the amount of politics is not any different than working for a secular organization. is not any different.
1: It's not any different. And that is why you, you wonder why the church or it's supposed to be an institution where God's love is distributed and disseminated is manifest. But then you see the kind of state of people's hearts, the envy the strife, the things that are happening, and we realize it is not so. This is not what Christ
0: intended. But then Paul is saying, if you do the very things that the world is doing, then
1: how dare you now stand and rise and speak against the world? Yet the very
0: things that are happening in the world are happening amongst you. They're happening amongst us.
1: And so we see the heart being the subject here. The heart is exposed here. The heart that is impenitent and hardened. The heart that cannot be persuaded. The heart that cannot be spoken to. The heart that
0: is hardened. It is hardened. It is hardened. When I was reading this, I remember um, uh, some of the examples
1: that the Bible was giving about those that had hard hearts. And we were reading about um, different stories in in the word of God, the parable of the talents. When the man said to his master, the one who had received one talent in Matthew 25, verse 24, he said, I know thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strode and that is an expression of the hard hearts
0: reaping where one has not sown and gathering where one has not strode so we 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 reap where we have not sown we take
1: advantage we we, we defraud one another of ideas, things related to work. And even in marriages, you're a young girl and you come to reap where you have not sown. A woman has worked hard and has humiliated the husband's bad behavior over all these years, standing with that man when he's jobless, when he's this and this and this and this. And now all of a sudden the man is looking polished and well. And there you see a young lady coming in to reap where they have not sown.
0: Eh, hey, fire.
1: it's the word of God the same word for hardness it has been used there about the master
0: he reaped where he had not sown that was him he reaped where he had not sown and he gathered where he had not strode
1: so you undeservingly receive these things where you have not been able to put in the work but you want it. You want it for yourself. You want it for yourself. That's how hardened our hearts have become. We want it for ourselves. You want it for yourself.
0: You have not soared in your ability to marry, to, to invest and take care of a woman, pay her dowry, but you want to sleep with her. You want to sleep with her. The Bible is
1: telling us the context in which we should be able to enjoy sex within the confines of marriage, but no, 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 Uh no. I must get it. I must get it. I must, I must, I must. Again, you see, you have not sowed there, but you want to reap. You have not sowed love. You have not sowed commitment. You have not sowed sacrifice,
0: but you want to reap the benefits that are within a confine of marriage. You want to reap where you have not sown. That's why people would do
1: anything to just fulfill their own desires. Their own desires are the priority. They need to be satisfied. At all costs,
0: I have to satisfy my own desires, primarily. This is very, it's very, it's very strange beloved. It's very strange. Because the servant said you are a
1: hard man. You are hardened. Your heart is hardened. You're a hard man. And when we think of a hard man, we only just think of, of, of oppression of that nature. But no, when our hearts are hardened, what was the behavior? You reap where
0: you have not sowed, and you gather where you have not strode. And that is happening in our day to day. It is an entitlement that is coming in a
1: generation that is sometimes even scary. An entitlement that even in our dealings with God, we have entitlement. People have issues to settle with God because they expected that it will be dealt to them in a certain way. And if God does not answer me on my terms, then we have nothing else to do with God. So we are offended. Why? Because our desires are the priority. We have to fulfill them. That is what the world is doing. And now it is, Paul is saying, if the church is doing the same, then we are without excuse. We cannot point at the world and say, why are they doing that? Because we are also doing that in the church. So we want for ourselves. When the servant of the Lord is trying to tell you, or when your fellow brethren are trying to tell you, Please, my sister, don't do that. You say, no, 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 I must do it. I must do it, because you don't understand. I must do it. I must do it. And so, in our selfishness, we bring so much tears in households. We bring so much tears
0: in people's homes. Why? Because we are always after our own desires. We can never be loved and admired by the world. And we can never
1: be compared with them because we are not supposed to be compared in the same works of darkness as the body of Christ. But when our hearts are hardened the story will always continue. And that is the hardness of heart where we insist on our own way. And we're just touching on the surface because now I told you I was going to talk about the world and this one is just talking about the world. I haven't even come to the part where now we see the clear parallel of the church. And now we will begin to look into that. We will look into that. But to start with, the question that we need to ask ourselves is if the world is living that way if the world is promoting homosexuality and lesbianism as we have read men who have abandoned their natural way and they are lasting after one another and the bible says that god's indictment against them is that they not only practice those things but they encouraged others to practice those things and they affirmed them And now we also have the same crisis in the church where sometimes you're reasoning with believers and you can't seem to stand on the same ground because you're seeing believers advocating for these things.
0: Advocating for these things. Advocating for these things. It's happening. Where people, yes, are supposed to be born again, but when they meet, they justify infidelity. They justify infidelity. They justify fornication. And we treat it casually as if it is something
1: that should be okay and it should be done. And so why why are you
0: making a big fuss out of it? These things happen. These things happen. Don't make a big fuss out of it. They happen. to a point where now we have become accommodative
1: of the very fact that it is okay, cheating will happen. And when it happens, just live with it and everything of that sort and just move on. No, 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 no. It is wrong. It grieves the Holy Spirit. It grieves him deeply. And that's why in this particular context, Paul is addressing previous generations that went into this state of compromise.
0: And so if we are to be the salt of the earth, if we are to be the light of the world, it
1: means that even these conversations, we cannot be found engaging with them. We cannot be found engaging in them at all. In whatever sphere that we walk in, we're not supposed to be that accommodative of these things.
0: In Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible says, be ye therefore followers of
1: God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling saver. But fornication and uncleanliness or covetousness, let it not be named among you as becometh saints. Let it not be named among you as becometh saints. Or rather he's saying, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity or greed among you. Such scenes have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. So don't participate in this, in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For the light within you produces only that which is good and right and true. Then it says, carefully determine what pleases the Lord and take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. That is why it is said awake O sleeper, and rise up from the dead and Christ will give you light. So the, and the, it's called the shameful deeds, the shameful and unfruitful works of darkness. We're told to have no fellowship in them, no participation in them, because even talking about them is a shameful thing. We're told not to have anything to do. Those unfruitful works of darkness, even talking about them, is shameful. But sometimes you find that this is the conversation that even people have in the body of Christ, and we are talking about them. That's why Paul says, You cannot be able to point a finger if you're participating in the same things, because the ability to accommodate these things shows that your heart has become hardened and your heart has become impenitent, which means there is no shame. There is no shame in your life. And God is calling us not to walk in that same road, not to participate in that same pattern,
0: not to be accommodative of that same behavior, but rather we are to prove it we're to expose it so today as we start off this subject of the hardness of heart we see that
1: the world is already made up its mind to be rebellious against God they have chosen to suppress the truth they have chosen to stand in opposition with God and they consider it to be wisdom
0: we on the other hand are called not to participate in it. And so we will never be loved and we will
1: never be the darlings of the world as long as we bear the name of Jesus. So if it is that sibling, if it is that friend who is still in the world and you're trying so hard to be accepted by them or to be accommodated by them, please be rest assured that they shall not happen so. It shall not happen so, but you have to stand for what is right and true. Yes, we still walk in love, but we are not to be participants in those walks of darkness. The Bible is not for us participating in them. So as pertains to our lives, let us examine our hearts. Let us look at ourselves. What are the things that we are emphasizing on? What are the things that we are trying to force when we know very well the
0: word of God is against it? What is that relationship that you're trying to force? What is that marriage that you're trying to wreck?
1: And the word of God is clearly telling you that is not the way to go. Are you you so eager trying to get the attention of someone who's married, someone else's husband? And you know very well, the word of God is against that. Are you envious of other unions and marriages and so You're always trying to find attention. You're always trying to find also some validation uh, from, from someone who is not supposed to give you that validation. We know where we are going contrary to the truth. And the word of God is exposing those issues and saying we cannot live as people of the world live. It is a shame when you hear people were in the same Bible study and someone's husband or wife left with somebody in the same Bible study. It is not acceptable in the body of Christ. And it should never be so. What kind Amen. of behavior is
0: that? Amen. What kind of behavior is that? Mm.
1: That we see in the body of Christ. So we are carelessly just living anyhowly, And then <laughs> when we are held accountable, it looks like now all of a sudden, uh Pastor Gloria,' you're, you're, you're really stepping into a space, you know, so you're, you're, you're coming too much, eh? You're infringing on my privacy, you're infringing on my uh, my space. you know uh this is too much. No, no no, 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 no. If you are supposed to be held accountable by God's word, it should be so. The Bible says some of these things should not even be spoken Amen among believers
0: Amen.
1: Yeah, It should not be spoken among its believers. But these are the, sometimes these are the counselings that ministers have to deal with. They have to counsel us. Why? Because our hearts have been hardened. Our hearts have been hardened. And so we are acting in a, in a heart that is shameless, impenitent, just like the people of the world are doing. We feel like we can sin. We feel like we can do these things because we want to do them and we are not going to be held accountable by anyone. Because it is our own desires, they must as well be fulfilled when we want them to be fulfilled. And the Lord is saying, uh, we cannot live as the world lives. We cannot affirm the very
0: things that the world is affirming. We cannot affirm, we cannot affirm the very things the world is affirming.
1: We cannot be found in the same pattern absolutely not and that's why you see sometimes people of the world uh, you see oh there's a big event happening in, in carnival ah you see believers there. are beyond beyond
0: bill wamefika mbele wamefika wamefika i'll never forget a time
1: that <laughs> uh i i i i i, I, I will I was going to a fast food to, I think it was a pizza inn or something to pick something. And there, as I was going, you bump on a fellow believer. And you see the kind of ladies I could now happen on, the kind of men. You see, these ones are not even born again. Any the way they are dressed, the way they are behaving, the way they are carrying themselves. And you're like, So what are you doing? And and, and you see now somebody gets uncomfortable, why? because now all of a sudden, they're talking to somebody who they feel has found them out. And you see sometimes these scenes, they, they expose us. One day I was in Mombasa, as I was getting into an elevator, I bump on a man coming out of an elevator with a young lady who used to work for him in his company, I mean Bebe a handbag. And I know this man's wife. He sees me and he starts panicking and he's getting fidgety. He decides to give the handbag back, back to the lady quickly. <laughs> Shika, give her back the handbag quickly, <laughs>
0: quickly.
1: And yeah. you, can, you can tell They just came from, they, they had spent the night together. Oh my Lord, why? That is not God's intention that we should be found in such places. It is not, it is not God's intention. And unless we hold each other accountable and unless we decide not to validate these things of the world and to be careless with them and to be casual with them, then our hearts will become hardened. and we can do them and we don't feel anything. We don't feel any conviction. And that is sadly what is happening in this day. Some of the cases that pastors are handling, they shouldn't be handling those cases. You know, it's one of those issues you see a pastor handling and even the pastor himself, first of all, poses and asks himself, is this person really saved? Is this person really saved? That's what you will ask yourself because I can't believe I'm having this kind of conversation
0: with you. And you claim to be born again, this is the kind of conversation we're having. Really? But we realize
1: that sometimes people's hearts can be hardened and they can be callous, just like the world. And so the world has been described as people who are deliberate in their opposition towards God. Their approval of such conduct and behavior is very outright. And that is why we see the rampant behavior that is happening presently. So we cannot take sides with them. We cannot be people who are also maligning others and partisan with them even when politics is widespread and the euphoria is there and the emotions are heightened, we cannot start now speaking in the same light and carried away by that particular wave. We cannot be carried away that way. And these are the things that are now being addressed. First, there has to be a distinction between the world and the believer. There has to be a distinction because the, World's heart is already darkened and hardened against God. It is already in that state. And so we cannot be in the same state. That's why Paul is saying to the believers in Rome, you cannot behave the same way and then be the one who is so eager to correct the world. You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad. He says you're just as bad and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself for you you who judge others. Do the very same things. Because the world's heart is hardened against God. It is already hardened against God. But we cannot be in the same boat as the world. Amen. So, the outright rebellion is one of the ways that we can see the heart is hardened. The outright rebellion against God. And so we cannot have that outright be rebellion against God. So we, we have been corrected by God's word that we cannot live as the world lives. But there are other types of hardness. There are others. And we will look at them in days to come Maybe tomorrow. There are others, there are other contexts of hardened hearts. And the word of God will help us see, as we have started off this subject, God will help us see other ways that our hearts are hardened. Hardened hearts. And we'll allow his word to correct us. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the word of truth i thank you for your word that is life your word that is true your word that corrects us for the scripture says all scripture is given of god and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction and for instruction that the man of god may be fully furnished trained in righteousness and complete lacking in nothing And so today your word has corrected us. We have seen the outright rebellion that is rampant in the world today. The advocates for abortion, the advocates for homosexuality and lesbianism and agendas that are contrary to the truth that is in Christ Jesus. We see the outright rebellion. We see partisan politics. We see the lies. We see the greed that is propagated. We see the culture that celebrates evil present in the world today. And as we have read and we have seen that there are people who have the knowledge of God, but they have chosen not to retain that knowledge of God, but rather to do evil works and also celebrate those that do them. The word say that there are inventors of evil, people who are without any sense of guilt and shame. Their hearts have been darkened, thinking they're wise. They have now become fools. And your word instructs us that we cannot live as the world lives. But there has to be a distinction because we are light. We are the salt of the, of the earth. And Lord, you are calling upon us to rise up in our learning, in our immaturity, As Paul said, I travail that Christ may be formed in you so lord your desire is that christ may indeed be formed in us that we may grow up in him in all things in our behavior in our character in our conduct in our ability to be persuaded by the word of truth i pray lord jesus that indeed we will not harden our hearts in light of the truth we will not harden our hearts in light of the truth but rather we will be obedient, we will be willing to to, to be yielded to your your instruction and to your counsel so that, Lord, we will not find ourselves in consequences that are as a result of outright sin and rebellion, but rather we may live peaceable lives, godly lives that can be emulated by the world and people can see indeed the doing of God in our lives. Father, we bless you and we thank you I pray for anyone here who's not born again. You can pray with me. As the Lord is persuading your heart, you can say, Lord Jesus, this day I cast my burdens to you and I receive the rest that you give. I receive your forgiveness and mercy. In my heart this day, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And I will live for you, Lord. I am born again. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for leading me. And this day, I am yours. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. Father, thank you for all that we have shared. And even as we look further into the subject of the hardness of heart, as we look at the believer's hardened heart, as we look at the hardened heart of disbelief, as we look at all these different examples that are given in your word about the hardness of heart i pray heavenly father that it will educate us and it will help us to see ourselves in light of the truth and be repentant and broken before you that lord you may direct us in a way that is right lord we give you thanks and we give you praise in jesus mighty name we pray amen amen Amen.